Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season is sponsored by Editor Ninja, the internet's favorite flat rate content editing service. Founded by veteran marketer and entrepreneur John Doherty, Editor Ninja provides professional editing services for a flat rate. No more nickel and diming over individual content pieces. Just subscribe and add content to your queue and your dedicated editor will get to work. Schedule a free editorial assessment with John today at editorninja.com slash demo. One of the questions we got from listeners when we were asking about what we should cover this particular season was on the topic of how to work really efficiently when you're a freelance writer. So sitting in front of the computer all day with a phone nearby, it's obviously pretty easy to get distracted. I think that's probably true no matter what line of work you're in. But the question was related to how do I kind of minimize those distractions and make sure that I'm getting the most out of my workday so that I'm not stuck sitting at the desk for the full eight-hour workday, if that's something you're working towards. Basically, like, how can I maybe maximize the time I'm sitting in front of the computer so maybe my workday is five hours instead of that full eight? So today we're going to get into how we tackle that and kind of keep things as efficient as possible. So Emma, how about you start us off by telling us, do you have any tips or tricks or tools that help you? Let's start with the distraction theme. So how do you minimize distractions? Do you use do not disturb mode? What's your two cents here? Hmm, that's an interesting question about the distraction. So I feel like I use like all of the above in terms of various strategies for being efficient. In terms of distractions in particular, I think one of the most important things for me in reducing distractions is working at the right time of day that maximizes my efficiency. And I know that isn't like, oh, I like turn off my phone. I definitely like silence my phone when I'm working like in flow, I close the door to my office so that my husband can't like come in and be like, Hey, want to get lunch? Or like, what are you up to? And I've even trained him for him. He'll ask like, Hey, are you like in flow right now? So that helps. But I feel like so much of it for me was learning, like, when am I actually the most productive and designing my life around that? So what I mean by that is like, I'm a morning person. My most productive time of the day is between like eight and one, maybe eight and noon. And so I have learned over time that like, that is the time that I need to have my butt in my seat. Like if I want to do something else because we have a flexible schedule, like go to the grocery store or meet a friend for coffee or even like take meetings. I try and do it outside of those like super flow hours so that rather than having a sort of like silence my phone or be like, oh, Emma, you really have to get to work that I'm kind of like designing my work around the time where I'm most likely to be able to focus. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And that's that's pretty much what I do too. I think it took me a really long time to figure out what my prime working hours were, probably something like 18 months because I was coming off the nine to five job where it was like, you have to be in your seat from 730 to 430 every day. And so 
when I started freelance writing, I thought, well, I'm supposed to be in my chair from 7.30 to 4.30 every day because that's what capital W working is. And so, yeah, it wasn't until I got really comfortable figuring out when I worked best that I figured out how to optimize. I don't use any fancy tools as far as minimizing distractions. I mean, I use do not disturb mode when I'm on a phone call or recording podcasts like we are today. I think a big one for me is just closing out of any distracting tabs. That's a big one for me. And staying off social media is a big one too, because it's so easy to think that you're working when you're actually just tweeting random nonsense or scrolling or falling down a rabbit hole. I feel like that is probably the biggest time suck, you know? Yeah. And on that, like I have used in the past web blockers for various websites that I found like really distracting. And you can set these so like you can't visit, let's say Reddit or Twitter between certain hours. Like when you try to go to it on your computer, it's like, you don't, you're not supposed to be using this website. But like you can just sort of like, I don't have that stuff set up formally right now, but there are a lot of ways to limit the distractions depending on like what is most distracting to you. Right. And I think like the do not disturb mode, the turn, and also like, this is generally not just for like uh, work, but I found that like really limiting the notifications that I get on my phone mm. um, or even taking apps off my phone is like really important in general for like my mental health, also like my work mental health. But like if I'm receiving emails and notifications on Slack at like 10 p.m. because I'm working with someone in a different time zone, like that is really not good for me, right? I mean, I, I realize that's not about having the efficient workday part of it, but I do think that you can kind of set up all these notifications or these blockers or these do not disturb modes to work for you. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think another thing too is I liked what you said about turning off push notifications because obviously that kind of puts you in defense mode right off the bat. The other thing is like if you're working on something, close out of your email because it's so easy to see, oh, a new email came in. I need to get to this right now. I'm so bad about this. Oh, this that's really hard though because you see something and you're like, I need to respond to this. Like even now as we're recording this, like I received a couple emails last night that I need to get back to people. And I feel like it's timely to get back to them, but like, it's hard to sort of close out the email and be like, I'm going to, I'm working on the podcast right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I know some people have even autoresponders that they just leave on all the time where it's like, I respond when it's convenient for me between the hours of X to X, please feel free to do the same. So it's kind of setting the expectation of, I got your message, but I will get to it at this certain specific time. I think that can work really well. The other thing too is I think it's important to kind of have like a set time frame for how you expect to respond to people. So maybe lay out in your contract or your onboarding document, I'll respond to emails within 24 to 48 business hours. If you haven't heard from me by then, that's unusual. So again, just being clear about expectations. I think that that's good for clients because I think you and I both are like, oh, an email came out. I need to reply right now. When in reality, it's truly not that urgent 99% of the time. Yeah. I mean, I think like reducing the feelings of urgency around these things is also like important for focusing and working efficiently. I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about like what it kind of means to be efficient as a freelancer. Because I feel like what I hear, especially from coaching clients, is like, they're like, I feel like I'm wasting time in activities that like, I'm not sure are worth it. 
And I think being efficient is all about making sure that you're like making the most of the time that you're spending and also making the most of the work that you're doing so that like the work that you're choosing to do actually like results in something. So like one example of this is like, I often see freelancers spend like an inordinate amount of time perfecting proposals. So like a new client or lead comes to them, they're really excited about the project and they spend like, I don't know, 10 to 20 hours or more working on the proposal for that client and because they really want to win that deal, right? And it totally makes sense. Like I, I can see how you would get really wrapped up in that. But at the same time, then if you lose the proposal, which happens for so many reasons beyond how perfect that proposal was, you've wasted like a lot of time. And it's just like, that is not a really good use of your time. So like in those cases, like what I recommend to people is like when you're starting out, you don't need to spend that kind of time on a proposal. It doesn't matter. Clients don't need that. They're not looking for that. If you feel really sort of anxious about having really good proposals, then you can sit down one time and try and create like a template that you can use over and over again so that like maybe it takes you four hours to do the proposal and that maybe feels reasonable to you, but you're not spending like 20 hours. Yeah. I think we talked about that in the website episode too, about developing your personal website. It can be really tempting to kind of get lost in the sauce when you're working on that. And it's not always super revenue oriented. It's just kind of a nice to have. So I would say definitely go back and listen to that episode if you haven't heard it yet. I think another thing too is when you get into the actual process of writing, since we're speaking to an audience here of people who are are doing this type of work, I think that's another aspect also that you have to optimize for efficiency. So figuring out what your most efficient workflow looks like. Is that getting the brief and then building the outline and spending a lot of time on research and kind of building a a really, really in-depth outline that you can quickly then turn into a draft? Or do you outsource pieces of the puzzle to speed things up? Do you have somebody that you can hand off the research piece of that? Right. Or even the editing piece of it or proofreading piece. Yeah. Because I find where people, where writers get bogged down in terms of the writing is often sort of like the editing and revising. So they're like, I don't want to send this. It's similar to the proposal where they're like, I don't want to send this off to the client until it's like a thousand percent perfect. And while, of course, you want to be turning in like really polished up, solid assets to the client, you don't want to spend so much time perfecting it without getting feedback from them if that's even sort of what they want. So I think this is another, you talked earlier about with emails, like setting expectations, like how long can you expect me to get back to you? But I think when you send over a draft, well, one thing that I've started doing is every time I send over a draft, I send over like a bulleted list of like questions I have or things that I'm like not sure about or things I want them to look at so that it feels like sort of a collaborative process of creating the draft together as opposed to like me saying like, here it is, this is the perfect piece. Because especially with a new client, right? Like, it's probably unlikely to be perfect anyway. Even if I had spent like an extra five hours editing that, it's better to just get it to them and be like, hey, do you like the voice in this? Like, hey, do you think this is researched enough? Or do you think we need like more stats or studies to back this up? And then that sort of gives them the opportunity to be like, actually, this is really good. Let's change X, Y, and Z. Or like, oh, this like totally misses the mark and here's why. So I find that like setting those expectations, but also like not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? 
I just see so many freelance writers like really get bogged down in trying to create something that's like really, really perfect. And I don't think perfect really exists. So it's kind of like a, I don't think that's like a, a worthwhile use of their time. Yeah. And I think we've all been there where we've tied up way too much time working on a draft to send it over. And maybe we didn't bring the client in as much as we should have. And they are like, actually, this is kind of off the mark for what we wanted. So it's important to have that communication along the way as the piece develops so that you don't have to go back and then do a massive rewrite or a ton of edits because it wasn't exactly, you know, there was a communication error there where you weren't understanding exactly what it was that they wanted. So huge case there for getting a detailed project brief up front for getting on the phone with your clients and talking to them about what it is that they want and need and their objectives and just getting a lot of clarity around the questions you have. I'm curious, do you have like an onboarding or workflow where you you do that to make the entire project process more efficient? Like what does that look like for you? Yeah, I do. So like when I first start talking with a client, we like get on the phone and we discuss like, here's, you know, what we think the project is going to be. And then I send them a proposal and my proposals are templated. I talked about that earlier to make it like pretty efficient. So it really only takes me like maybe 20 or 30 minutes to perfect the proposal. And then once they sign the proposal, I send them over like an email. It's kind of like an onboarding email. And it's like, here's what you can expect from working with me. And here's what I can expect from you. And it outlines some of these things that we've been talking about. Like you can expect me to respond to email via this time. Like here's how actually the proposal includes kind of the process of like, first I give you an outline, then I give you a draft. But like all along through that client onboarding process, I'm trying to clue people in. So like, here's how you work with me. Like here's how we make it so that we're creating a collaborative asset that is ultimately providing the value that they need it to. And I know you do something similar, like I think all via email, right? Yeah. And like you said, it's all templated because it's not something I need to be writing from scratch over and over again. So yeah, it's a very similar process being very proactive and like expectations and here's how this goes. And I think that that's smart because it also shows you're a professional who knows what they're doing as well. You have this step-by-step process in place. You're not kind of waiting for direction and handholding from the client, which can be a big red flag for them. I want to circle back to the editing piece of the puzzle. This is something that ties in nicely with our sponsor for this season and is something that I started doing last year is outsourcing my editing. Because for me, what I was finding is when I'm writing something that's super long form, we're talking 3,000 to 5,000 words, it's so easy to get too familiar with what you've written to where you've lost all objectivity. You can't look at it with that critical eye and, and poke holes into it like maybe somebody with that external perspective could do. So I'm a big fan of this. And I think it's really been a quality boost for my writing. Do you mean like you write the draft and then you have someone edit it? Or do you mean like you write it and then your client asks for edits and you have someone like implement those edits for you? No, this would be the round of edits that I complete before handing it off to the client for their review. So just making sure that it's as solid as it can be before I hand it over as, okay, here's the product. Now it's time for your suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. So that like reduces some time for you and and you feel like, oh, I get a second set of eyes on it. So there's that benefit too. Yes. Yeah. It gives me some distance between it as well, which is nice because then I can come back, implement those edits and then when the client comes back with theirs, it just takes it to an even higher quality level. So I think it's it's a good exercise. Yeah, me too. I think that's really smart. I think like also in terms of efficiency, I'm curious about like 
how you think about dividing your time between like the client work you're doing, the admin work you're doing, which would be like invoicing, and then sort of like the business building activity. Because I think that for me, I think about it in terms of like, well, what activities are like most likely to generate revenue? And that's like client work. So that's where the priority of my focus time goes. And then with the sort of extra time, I'm thinking about the admin work. So I find like admin work, like sending invoices, I try and do that either at the, like the very beginning of my day when I sit down or at the very end and just try to not, like we talked about distractions at the beginning, but try to not be like, oh, I need to send that invoice and then like stop everything and doing it. I try and like maybe just jot a note down that that's something that I need to do. But I'm curious about how you think about like how you divide those activities in a work day so that like, because I, I also hear from people like, oh, I can get all my client work done, but like I can't get my website up right? Or vice versa. Like I have an amazing website, but I can't get any clients. So tell me about how you think about dividing all that. I wish I was more organized when it comes to how I break up my days. I would say that I always start with administrative stuff in the morning and then kind of 10 o'clock to two o'clock is my deep work time with a lunch break in the middle there. I am pretty bad about context switching. I'm trying to do a better job of focusing on one thing rather than getting distracted all the time. But That's a work in progress. And I think in general, you know, I have my processes in place. I have all my templates. The workflow itself is pretty efficient. I think it's just a matter of, I don't know, self-control and like really being strict about when you're sitting in your chair and working, that that's what you're doing. Because when, especially when you have the computer in front of you, you have the phone next to you, like I talked about, it's so easy every 10 minutes or so to check your email or to check on social media or whatever it is. And that just totally throws off your whole productivity for the day. We have the episode where we talked about our processes for getting words on the page where we went super in-depth on what that looks like step-by-step. But as far as the work day and work week as a whole goes, I've experimented with a lot of different things. I've tried the Pomodoro technique where you kind of work for 15 minutes and then you take a break and you come back. And so you have these work sprints. That works pretty well for me. I know that other people do time blocking or themed days where they'll do business development on Mondays and Fridays and then focus on client work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Again, it's it's hard to say, oh, this is the be all end all because it's so different for every person. But I don't know. Is there anything that you found to be more effective for you in your day-to-day stuff? Well, I found that like you, I think that I've tried different things and it really is dependent on kind of who you are and how you work and what your priorities are for where you are in your business. So definitely I've seen, I have tried it, but it doesn't work for me to do like theme days. So people will do like, okay, well, Monday is like client outreach day. And that's the day where they like spend a couple hours in on Monday morning, like reaching out to prospective clients or old clients and kind of drumming up new work. And then like Tuesday is finances day. And that's when they like deal with all of their invoices and make sure Uh, everything is buttoned up with their bookkeeping and Wednesday is marketing day and Thursday is only client work, whatever it is. So I've seen that. And I think if you're the kind of person that works well in that way, like awesome, go for it. For me, like I've tried it, it doesn't really work for me. What does work for me is being really deliberate about when I set my meetings. And we've talked about this in various episodes. We have an episode on meetings and where they fit into your business. Phone calls, yes. Yeah, like phone calls, because phone calls are something that can like really disrupt your flow as a writer and reduce efficiency. So like, how are you going to take control of that? So like what I do is 
I pretty much like, so I have a Calendly link with my availability. And as of right now, I only allow meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I have like a block in the middle of the day from like 11.30 to maybe 1.30, which is basically like the lunch break that I don't let people block. I have that time if I want to go get lunch or I want to like, I think in my, I have it officially in my calendar. I think it's called like workout slash lunch block. So I sometimes work out during that time. So I like keep that time. And then I try and keep the meetings to Tuesdays and Thursdays. Now it's imperfect in the sense that like, sometimes my clients can't meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Sometimes I'm doing a case study and the person is like only available on a certain Wednesday and like I'm flexible, but I try and keep the meetings on those days. And I also try when I can to schedule meetings in the afternoons. For my coaching clients, I do them all on Fridays. So it's always like Friday morning. And so I think like having control over my calendar in that way is really good for efficiency. And it's like, again, built in efficiency for my business. And I've changed those hours based on what else is going on in my life. So like when my son was first born and I had limited childcare, it might be like, oh, well, I'm only available on Wednesdays for meetings. That's just what it is right now. Or maybe I was available every morning because I had morning childcare, but not afternoon childcare or something like that. I think also just a few little kind of logistical or location-based things that you can do to be more efficient is like, are you working in a room with a door that can close (laughs) so that you don't have people just popping in, whether it's your children or your pets or your significant other, if you're still working remotely or whatever the dynamic is there, or maybe you need to get out of the house. Maybe you need to go to a co-working space or have a physical office that you go to a few times a week. I'm seeing a lot of people lately who are feeling pretty isolated, I think post pandemic and just kind of the carryover from all of that to where they're either renting office space or they're making a point to go work in a coffee shop, get around people because it's, it's just more efficient that way. The other trick that I love that I heard somebody say on Twitter and I tried it and it works so well is take your laptop somewhere and don't take your charger (laughs) so that you're working kind of on a, on a timetable of how long will your battery last? (laughs) That's a good one. It works really well. Yeah, I do actually think that having like deadlines can be very helpful for like getting stuff done too. And so whether you, because sometimes you'll have a client and they're like, I don't really care when this gets done sometime in the mm-hmm. next couple of months, but I think like nailing down a deadline so that it kind of creates the laptop uh, running out of batteries can also be good for like getting that kind of work done. Yeah. So the bottom line here is just experiment, see what works for you. There's no one size fits all solution to this, but it is possible. It just kind of takes a lot of <laughs> a lot of discipline and, and self-direction if you can. Yeah, and some trial and error too. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com. <laughs>